0: Um, let's, uh, let's transition now. I'd like to transition into my message tonight. We're going uh, to, let's, let's not sing that last time. The reason is, is because I want to be able to take questions if we have them. Um, I'd like you to take your Bible and open to, if you can go ahead and trans, uh, transition that over, that'd be great. Um, open to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. For the message tonight, we're going to have a little bit of a uh, sermon slash family discussion to update you on um, the discussions that we've been having as a leadership team, the discussions that we've been having as a pastoral team, and as a deacon team as well. Should be good. Um, so, the goal of tonight is to kind of bring you up to speed regarding a conversation that we 've been having as deacons and pastors for the better part of a year. I told you last year that we were in the um, kind of the throes of um, clarifying and identifying the role of deacon last I believe I mentioned that last fall that we were going to dedicate our leadership retreat in January to identifying and clarifying both what scripture says and how that's going to be fleshed out in our ministry. And so I did a lot of study and pre-work on that, and then in our leadership retreat in January, the pastoral staff and their wives and the deacons and their wives, we got away for an entire day, and we worked through this concept that I had prepped a lot of study. We worked through this concept together, asked a lot of questions. We talked about discipleship within the church. Matt and Kelly Collier were here with us to kind of lead that discussion, and we had a discussion on the role of New Testament deacons. Over the past four years, the role and function of the deacons at community has been confusing to many, and it's actually caused some frustration on the board level and on the deacon level because in the absence of a pastor, in the absence of a senior pastor, the role of exactly what is a deacon supposed to do? What is a deacon not supposed to do? How is a deacon supposed to serve? And all this kind of stuff. That it, was, it got a little bit muddied in there. And so when I came on as a pastor, there were a lot of questions that people were asking me about the deacon role that I didn't have good answers for. And, and I, I was learning in this too and still am. And had never done a deep dive into this biblically or really into our constitution to look into this. And so that's kind of what has motivated this to bring clarity um, to bring, hopefully, clarity to the men who are serving in this biblical office, bring clarity to our church and set expectations and function, and to begin to clearly communicate to the church the expectations of how the deacons can best meet the needs of the church. For the, if you have been frustrated over the past five years of, of my being here and kind of the deacon's role, I will take full responsibility for that because I'm growing in this area, And uh, we're recognizing, as we clarify this, that it's been such a blessing to be able to look into Scripture and to recognize the necessity and the blessing and the role of deacons. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Acts 6, and we're going to read this passage, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive right into this. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, those are Greeks, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. you got two groups here that are both saved. You've got Jews that have been saved. You've got Greeks that have been saved. They're all in one church, and the Greeks say, you aren't taking care of the Greek widows like you're taking care of the Hebrew widows. You're showing favoritism. You're showing racism, whatever it would be. You aren't caring for everybody the same. You see that? And there's conflict. And the twelve, that's the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples, that's the whole church, and said, it is not right that we should give up the preaching of the word of God to serve tables. Serving tables is not a negative thing. He's talking about the division of responsibility. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. So what you have is you have the apostles whose ministry is passed down to the pastors, elders of the church. Clarifying their role. And then you also have, this This would be like pre-deacon qualifications. Remember we walked through the qualifications the last two weeks. If you want a summary, kind of an umbrella as to what that is. These are like the pre-qualifications that were worked out later in the church over the coming years. Verse 5, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, the whole church said, yes, we need people leading with the word and we need people meeting the physical needs because one person can't do it all. One group can't do it all. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip and Parmenas Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and the apostles prayed and laid their hands on them. And they were commissioned to their work as, we'll call them, pre-deacons. Call them the seven, okay, pre-deacons. Verse 7, what's the result of proper order and the needs being met in the church, both physically and spiritually? What's the result of that? Verse 7, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and even, even so much so that a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Because the church was being cared for both in their physical needs and in their spiritual needs. And so these, this is what we would see as not a prescription for New Testament deacons, but kind of as the precursor and to say, okay, this is the realm in which deacons should function. This is the the idea. And so when we look at deacons in the church, we really have two options. To Let's pray. Let's ask for God's wisdom, and then we'll, then we'll jump into this. Lord, I pray that you would give great wisdom and understanding through Scripture and how we're going to apply this at community so that we can have a church that is spiritually fed, physically cared for, spiritually shepherded, and, uh, and loved well. And I pray that you give wisdom for the service tonight in your name. Amen. You really have two options. And these are the two options that we see worked out in churches around us. Either the deacons exist to sit and advise in regards to functions and decisions of the church, In this model, the deacons serve in a board much like the board of a business or a board of a parachurch ministry, to where you'd have like a governing body. And our church is not set up like that. It specifically says that the deacons, the advisory board specifically, has no executive power, meaning that the church shouldn't be set up with a governing board that runs the church, if that makes sense. But there are a lot of churches that are set up that way, where the deacons will sit in a room and they will be the governing board of the church. The other option is that the deacons exist to serve the church by meeting the needs of the church body, serving the church. In this model, the spiritual direction and the teaching would be set by the pastors, the elders, and the physical needs, the needs that aren't met by the pastors would be met by the deacons. And there is a lot of overlap, okay? So it's not as though the pastors can't meet any physical needs and the deacons can't meet any spiritual needs. It's that in general, this is how it functions, but the question we need to ask is, what does the New Testament say about the role of a deacon? We see this role of a deacon modeled for us in the book of Acts. In fact, the word deacon is found in verse 2. If you want to look down with me, it is not right that we should give up the preaching of the word of God to serve. That's the word deacon. The word deacon means to serve. It can be used both as a noun, a servant. Or it can be used as a verb, to serve. So what was the problem that deacons were originally, um, that, that, that the office was created in order to fix? What was the problem? Because that will tell us a lot about how deacons should function. Well, the problem was great disunity and complaining. And of course, that never happens in any other church, right? No, that's a common problem among churches. Disunity, complaining, complaining thoughts of favoritism. The widows felt like partiality was being shown in physical needs. And when we say widows, we need to think of, of New Testament widows, those who had no means of income, no way to provide for them, and without the church, they would be homeless living on the street. And so it was the church's responsibility to say, we are providing your daily bread here. We are literally your only source of protection we are your only source of the way you're going to get food. And so they felt like the Hebrews were being dealt with partially. It was distracting to the apostles, not in a bad way, but if you can imagine someone who's trying, let, let's go for if you were in a business scenario and someone is trying to, to lead and manage, and yet they also are trying to, to do some tasks that are that are having everything else go into derision because they don't have the time to manage, they don't have the time to lead. And so what's happening is the apostles are saying, listen, we would love to do this, but we can't do both. We can't be everywhere serving and meeting physical needs and serving the body and meeting these needs and devoting ourselves to the study of the word and preaching. And this is why I'm so thankful that our church has been very kind. When we, Becky and I came five years ago, we said, you know, if you will allow me the time to prepare, then I promise that every Sunday you won't be embarrassed on Sunday morning with the sermon. That you can come knowing, if you'll be patient and, and, and allow the time to study in the Word, that I, I promise you, I'm making a commitment, that you'll be fed spiritually. And that's what the apostles are saying, is that, listen... We're giving our time to the teaching and the preaching and the ministry of the word. It's not as though we don't want to do this. We just don't have the bandwidth. And there was no one in the church who was specifically commissioned to take care of these needs. So what was the solution? The solution was to choose spiritually minded, wise, qualified men. As we've said with the qualifications, those who would be an example of spiritual growth, those who would be an example of the Christian life, to serve the church in this way. The church recommended the people from among them. Why? Because they knew these men. They knew Stephen. They knew he was a full, full of faith. They knew Philip and Prochorus. They knew all of these men. And they say, well, if you're looking for a spiritually minded person, If you're looking for someone who's not perfect, but someone who's an example of spiritual life, you need that guy. That's what they did. It's it's this guy, and and it's this guy. These are the ones. And so then they put these spiritually-minded, spiritually-qualified men forward, and the apostles confirmed, and the apostles then commissioned them to take care of these needs. The result was this. People in the church were commissioned and clarified to serve in specific ways. The vital needs of the church are met. Unity was achieved. The word of God increased and people were one to Christ, even priests. So are deacons important? Yeah, deacons are very important. Are they vital to the church? Yeah, they're vital to the church. In fact, if you were to come in and you would say, um, I have an idea for the church, and it's biblical, but if you just do this one thing, and that is that that if you do this, then people in the church are going to be clarified in ways that they serve. All of the the vital needs of the church will be met. Unity will be brought. The word of God will increase, and people are going to be one to Christ. You go, that sounds a whole lot like the mission of the church, doesn't it? And that's what deacons did: is they brought this unity, this growth, this this clarifying of responsibilities. So we see it in Acts six. We would obviously hope that we would see it in other parts of Scripture, right? So let's take a quick survey, and I'm going to put on the screen because we're going to go quickly, and uh, and I can send you these slides if you want afterwards, if you'd like to look at them more closely. Deacon as a noun, okay? Those. Deacon as a as a title. Okay, uh, the word deacon as a title is used in three different English words: minister, deacon, and attendant. Those who are ministering to needs, those who are attending to needs. In uh, Philippians one one, uh, to the to the uh, deacons there, and then First Timothy three eight and three twelve in regards to um, deacon qualifications. And then you'll see it as attendant in Matthew chapter 22. So that's the title of deacon. How about deacon as a verb? It means uh, serve, minister, provide, help, deliver, administer, render. And this is where we're really going to figure out in scripture with this word what the role, because a verb is the action. So if we say, what are deacons supposed to do? It's going to come out of, of these, these words right here. So, deaconing, first of all, reflects the character of Jesus, it's huge is that Jesus says, I did not come to be deaconed, but to deacon. So if you want to lift up the role of deacon to a biblical understanding, you have to understand that deaconing reflects the character and works of Jesus himself. Deaconing is characteristic of kingdom leaders. That those who lead God's kingdom, if you're going to lead, you must first be a servant. Right? That word servant is the word diakonos. Deaconing is serving and following Christ. Meaning that those who serve as deacons in the church ultimately aren't serving the congregation. That's the, they're serving the congregation by serving Christ. Like, I'm ultimately serving Christ and I'm doing that by serving the congregation. Deaconing will be rewarded by God, John 12, 26. Deaconing, serving, is showing a love for God. You may say, well, I I have trouble loving people, but I can meet the needs because I love God. I'm going to serve in this way because my ultimate role is to love God. I thought this was interesting. Deaconing reflects the ministry of angels in heaven. Um, It's an angelic duty. So Mark 4 and, I mean, Matthew 4 and Mark 1, what passage is that? That's the temptation of Christ. And after 40 days in the wilderness, and this intense temptation by Satan, and Christ is physically spent, the angels come, and what do they do? They deacon him. They ministered him. You see how this expands the viewpoint of just what a deacon is? Like you look at this and you go, whoa! Like the way that the angels interacted with Jesus and this angelic duty of serving, that they came down and they restored him and they fed him and they encouraged him and they ministered to his needs? It's that word deacon, that this is an angelic duty, this is patterned by the angels in heaven. Deaconing reflects how you would serve Christ if he were still on this earth. How would, if Jesus was here and, and if you were one of his disciples, one of his apostles, and you would serve Jesus, how would you serve him? You would deacon him. That's the same word. You would serve him in this way. And lastly, and most importantly, deaconing furthers the gospel. That this is not some um, trivial service that the church can do with or do without. That this is not optional for the church because the, the ministry of the gospel is at stake. And you see that reflected in Acts 6. So that's how deacon is used as a verb. Those are, that's, that's a fascinating study to just look through and to say, what does this tell us about the way that our deacons operate? It tells us that they're all angels, right? <laughs> no, they have the ministry of angels, angelic duties reflecting the heart of Christ and the way that would, you would serve Christ if you were on this earth. So when we look at all of these things and we index these concepts, we index these concepts, we apply them to ministry... In general, let's not let's what we're doing is we're kind of like on Google Earth and we're like on the state of Indiana, and now we're slowly zooming into like Michiana, and then we're gonna zoom into South Bend, and then we're gonna zoom into community. Okay, so we're kind of starting wide, the whole scripture. What does it say about deacon, noun, verb, and now we're gonna now we're gonna look at what it means just with ministry in general, some biblical principles about diaconal ministry in general. Number one, deaconing was the mission of Christ on this earth, therefore it is a vital role in continuing his mission through the church. That if you are nominated to serve as a deacon, that is not something that should be taken lightly. That you say this is is, is carrying on the mission of Christ. The serving of Christ. Number two, deaconing is so important to the church that when the needs of the church arose in Acts 6, the apostles created a new office. They said, this is so important. The physical needs of the church, meeting the needs of the church is so important that this cannot be a temporary solution. It can't be something to where we just say, you know what? We're going to take a week off of teaching and preaching and we're not going to have services this week. We're going to go online this week, go on YouTube and watch your favorite preacher for church this week because we're going to serve tables this week to kind of patch the whole per se And then we're going to go back as normal. No, no, this is so important that the apostles in their wisdom given to them by God actually designed an entire biblical office just to do this. Number three, those who are leaders in the church are those who should be deaconing well. The church should be led by those who are spiritually qualified, examples of spiritual conduct, serving the church well. Number four, one way that the believer is to visibly show his or her love for Christ in the church visibly is to deacon. How can you visibly reflect your love for Christ? Serve as a deacon. Number five, deaconly is a heavenly ministry of service and those who deacon well on this earth reflect the ministry of heaven. It's a great concept. I mean, you, we could spend a whole, a whole evening just on that one concept and trace through how are angels serving God. And those who deacon well actually reflect the ministry that's happening in heaven, and reflect the ministry of angels to Christ. Number six, deaconing well visibly reveals to the church and to the world the heart of Jesus. You know, when the church came under assault and attack and, and martyrs began in the 1500s with, with Bloody Mary in the early 1500s, the first church martyrs that they went after weren't the elders of the church. Did you know that? They went after the deacons. You know why? Because it's a pattern we set today that we sacrifice the deacons first. No, that's not why. Okay. <laughs> Why they went after the deacons is because the deacons scared them to death because they're in people's homes, loving them and serving them. The elders were devoting themselves to teaching and prayer as they should. But the deacons were going house to house, serving, loving the people, meeting the physical needs. And the church was expanding because people would say, whatever they have, I need. Whatever care is being shown is supernatural. And that reflects the God that I want to worship. And so the gospel is going around like crazy and they started martyring the deacons first because they knew if they didn't, they couldn't stop Christianity. They didn't stop Christianity anyway, right? But they went after the deacons first. It shows you the importance and the value of diaconal service in the church. It shows the world the heart of Jesus. So knowing all of this, how would we define a New Testament deacon? I'm a definition guy. I like, I like definitions. I like clarity in things like this. So how would we define a New Testament deacon? If we were to take all the biblical, um, the, our, our, our bylaws don't really give us a definition of a deacon. They give us function, but they don't really give us a definition. So if we were to look at all of scripture and we were to say, let's come up with a biblical definition of what a deacon is, what would it be? What would it be? Here's what we came up with over the past year. We've adjusted, we've prayed, we've talked, we've adjusted again, we've prayed, we've talked. And last month, the deacons came together again and voted to adopt this as our definition of what a deacon is. A deacon is a qualified, very important, first of all, must be qualified. Willing, you don't want them serving if they don't want to serve, right? They have to be willing. They have to be qualified, and they have to be willing, and they have to be in that order, Because you can't have someone who's willing and you're willing to give on qualifications because he really, really, really wants to serve the church, but he's an ungodly man, right? You can't can't have that. So a qualified, willing member of the church. We're not going to go outside and get deacons from outside community. Man, we really need three more deacons. I hear Trinity has some to spare, right? So we're going to go down there, we're going to get some from their church. No, it's a qualified, willing member of the congregation, the church, who is recognized, that's from the church. That the church looks at that person and says, that's an example. That's a godly man. That's, That's a godly person. Recognized, commissioned. The pastors then is the model that we see. The pastors then commissioning that person to serve in a certain area. For what purpose? To bring unity to the church. By managing that means that it's, the deacons aren't doing all the work of the ministry. We are all doing the work of the ministry, and the deacons are managing that. For instance, there may be a deacon who's serving and helping in, in, in the outside uh, of the building. Less has been has been heading that up as a deacon. And so Les may go and recruit other people in the church, and what he's doing in his diaconal role is he's managing and organizing to make sure that something, a need is met. This happens all the time with meal ministries. We don't have, praise the Lord, our deacons don't cook all the meals, right? Um, but, but what a deacon will do is they will reach out to you and they will say, hey, we have someone who's been through a really difficult time, and you know, it would take pressure off them if they didn't have to worry about it. Meals this week because you know they're bedridden or whatever, and so we're providing meals for a certain person who just had surgery, maybe they just had a child. And the deacon is organizing and managing as part of their diaconal role, recognizing that the work of the ministry is, is all of us as a church, right? So managing, organizing and serving the needs of the church body. Our deacons should not be consumed with meeting needs outside of our church. There are so many needs in South Bend. Right? But we don't have deacons that we send to go be ushers at the, at the South Bend Cubs game every Saturday as their deacon responsibility. No. Because the needs that the deacons meet are in our church. You see how that brings clarity? So what is a deacon? A deacon is a qualified, willing member of the church who's recognized from the church, commissioned by the pastor's. To bring unity to the church, that's the primary role of the deacon, to bring unity of the church. How? Managing, organizing, and serving the needs of the church body. That's the way that works. Now, does this say that the deacon can't hold any spiritual responsibility? No, because Stephen ended up preaching, and Stephen was the first martyr of the church. Philip was the evangelist. So does that mean that deacons can't have some sort of spiritual role? No, it means they don't have to have a spiritual role in the church. It means that deacons in their most basic form are meeting the needs of the body and there's more that can be added to that. But if you're here and you say, pastor, I I would love to serve as a deacon, but if you ask me to stand up and take leadership, if you ask me to serve on some sort of board, if you ask me to to speak in public, then that is not me. Then praise the Lord because that's that's not what the Bible says a local church deacon should be anyway. Now, if, if you're a deacon and you have the desire to do that, then, then by all means, serve the church spiritually. But, but you don't. the deacon doesn't have to be spiritually qualified in that way. But it is a spiritual office. And, and so let me give you this example. If, if a deacon were to visit uh, someone in our church to help maybe bring a meal... And, and or, or maybe to, to, to cut the grass of somebody who is who is um, who just had a, an intense physical issue happen or maybe maybe there's something broken and the deacons are coming together to meet a physical need of a family who doesn't have the financial means to be able to meet that themselves. So as a church, we're going to do that and deacons organizing that. Let's say that a, um, an oven is broken and a deacon's going to go and he's going to lead a group of people to go fix that. And while the deacon is there, that deacon does not stop to pray with that church member and to spiritually be a blessing to them in that way. Then it's saying, man, probably the deacon hasn't done their full role because their qualifications are spiritual and moral qualifications. So yeah, we'll stop and pray, but he should not feel the need to sit down and lead a Bible study with that person if he doesn't feel adequate to do that. And if I go and I make a visit... To, to, to spiritually care for one of our members. And that member says, Listen, I've been trying to get my microwave to work. And is there any way you could help me fix this? And I say, No, I'm sorry. I'm here for your spiritual care, not your physical care. Okay. I failed as a pastor, right? So there's a lot of overlap here. But when we when we talk about primary roles, the way that the Bible pictures this is that those who serve as Elders, pastors in the church, their primary role is to teach and give spiritual oversight and lead the congregation. And those who are to serve in the biblical office of deacon is to bring unity to the church so that when people come to gather to hear the teaching, their hearts are open because their their physical needs have been met. They they feel well-loved. They feel well-cared for. And so working together It expands the church's ministry. Does that make sense? You guys see how that all fits together? Um, Done well, this office does the following, and then we'll take any questions that we may have. Done well, the diaconal office, number one, unifies the congregation around the ministry of the word. Number two, it assists in accomplishing the work of the gospel through assisting the prayer and word ministry of the elders. It, It says, listen, um, I had a deacon who was uh, working here at the church and and I was in my office studying and I came out and I offered to help and that deacon looked at me and said, I'm here doing what I'm doing so you can do what you're doing and very kindly said, go back to your office. You know? (laughs) You get it. Because if I were to spend my whole week and the hours that God's given me Meeting all the physical needs of the church. And guys, there are so many. And you were to come on Sunday and I say, y'all pray for me because I ain't studied much. Now let's open the Bible and do the best we can. Friends, that's a pattern for a very weak church. And so what this does is it brings unity by accomplishing the word ministry and the prayer ministry of the church by meeting those needs. Thirdly, it frees up the elders to dedicate themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, going along with number two. Number four, it serves as a pattern for all believers in their spiritual walk. Deacons are simply living out what you're supposed to be doing in a public way. They basically have a platform to live the Christian life. Well, I'm already helping people in the congregation. I'm already meeting needs. I'm already coming along people and encouraging them. I'm already trying to be a faithful Christian. What a deacon is, is it gives a platform to do that publicly. For the church to say, we recognize that. We recognize you doing that. And we want you to do it more. And you're such a blessing in doing it. And so so it gives a platform for that. Number five, it gives... A deacon who serves well gains great confidence and encouragement in their own walk with Christ. You realize serving is a two-way street, right? I mean, how many times have you served somebody and you've left so encouraged? You've sat down to pray with somebody, and afterwards, even though you went to be a blessing to them, they were such a blessing to you. And so a deacon who deacons well actually encourages him, encourages himself, his Christian walk. And lastly. It gives a platform for maximizing spiritual gifting in the church. There are men in our church who are gifted to serve in this way. And it gives a platform to maximize that. To say, you're already serving in this way. Would you mind doing that in an official capacity? Would you mind doing that with the New Testament office title of servant, of deacon, so that you can fulfill the ministry of the word in this way? What I gave you was the product of about a year of study, talking, praying, discussing, um, wordsmithing, talking about what it's not, what it is, and clarifying a bunch, of, a bunch of things in our church. So are there any questions that you would have about that? Now, let, let, me, let me say one more thing. Are you have any questions? Wait, let me talk. Uh, but uh, what we've done is we've clarified what a deacon is, and I think in the coming Weeks, months, years, you'll see it fleshed out in serving opportunities in our church this way. And so all that we're doing now, if you were to ask me, okay, now, Pastor, what exactly does that look like in our church? Well, I don't know, but I can tell you what what the definition is. And as needs arise, you're going to see us utilizing deacons in this manner. Does that make sense? And so when it comes, if you're going to ask questions in regards to specific details, I may be able to give you a general principled answer. But as we work this out in our church, I think you'll find clarity and find examples of that. Any questions on that? I know I threw a lot at you, it's like drinking through a fire hose. But I wanted to make sure that we left five minutes or so of questions. Michael. I know this can be its own study, but did you also also uh, flesh out what the word qualified means in your definition? Yeah. So so I think so the. the word qualified in the definition would mean a life that reflects 1 Timothy 3. And then the, the, the follow-up answer to that would be, well, who says that their life lines up with 1 Timothy 3? Who is it that qualifies the person? And the answer to that is it's the church. And so what qualified would mean is a church looking at a man's life, looking at a deacon's life, a person's life, and saying that person reflects what this passage says. And we all agree on that. And so we then ask that person to fulfill that role. So qualified would be looking at a person's life, seeing that it reflects what's given in 1 Timothy 3, and then the church, by means of nomination and affirming the vote, that that, that the church qualify. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. It's a great question good. Any other questions? Yes, Holly. That is a great question. How do you decide how many deacons we have? The, our constitution currently gives a number. Um, in, in this model, um, I think the correct answer to that would be, how many deacons do we need of, me, of people who are willing to serve in this role and who are meeting the needs that we have? So if we have an overwhelming amount of needs, we may come and say, listen, we need 12 deacons. We need 13 deacons. Um, you know, in our deacons meetings, every time we meet, we have a list of, of everyone in a specific deacon care team that we pray through. And, and I'll tell you, it's overwhelming to look at a deacon care team that has 20 families with one deacon who's trying to coordinate, and in the margins of their life, these men are not men who, have, who are working full-time jobs as, as deacons, right? And they are serving out of love for Christ and love for our church. And so I think the answer to that would be however many it takes to meet the needs why did they need seven in here? I don't. I don't know. Probably because there were seven tables. I don't know. Uh, but uh, but that was the number that they said. Listen, this is the number that we need in order to meet the needs of our church. And so the answer would be however many we need to meet the needs. Yeah. I will also qualify that to say it's also however many men are willing. Um. Just as a as an open heart, uh, I understand. Many times a person's life stage does not lend itself to serving as a deacon. But for the last two years we've needed two or needed three and we've only had that number of men in our church who were willing to serve, qualified and willing to serve. Many more who were qualified, only some who were willing. And so it also hinges on the church body to be willing to serve in that way. And I think that if the responsibility was shared more broadly, perhaps there would be more men would be willing to serve? Because the responsibility of the day-to-day responsibility would be much less, much more focused. Yeah. Great questions. So really, really good questions. Any other questions that have kind of stirred in your mind? I can see. I wish you guys could see from up here because I can see the wheels turning and I can see how the concept is starting to register and that's awesome. Who had their hand up? Chuck. What's that? I mean, we Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that I I don't know. I don't know. He said what, what are the what is the time, you know, that a deacon should serve? I, I don't know the answer to that. Our constitution that we go by says 3 years and they have to take a year off. Um in a service capacity? I, I don't know the answer to that. I think some men could serve in a certain capacity because of the pace of their life and their life stage for 10, 15 years without needing to rotate. Um, I think there are some who step in it for a year and say, listen, because of this transitory time, I can give you a year in this. You know, But then because I have a young family plus working 50, 60 hours a week, whatever it would be. You know, let me let me try this for a year and see what happens. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. But right now we're driven by, yeah, our constitutional guidelines of three years. And you're year off. Yeah. Good. Yes, Gary? So I don't know if this is a question or an observation. hmm The needs in Scripture mm-hmm. were to the widows who were mm-hmm. basically relying on the church for their sustenance of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what's come to mind, my mind is there's also admonitions in the scripture about caring for one's family. Exactly. Yep. And I guess in my context has been that's a priority is care for one's family. That's right. That's exactly right. And so what Gary is wading into is a, is a great discussion. And I'll, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to mention something first and we'll come back to your question. And that is, whose responsibility is it to take care of people in the church? And the answer is, it's responsibility of the family. Our first question in our deacons meeting, when we, we, we gather together, we pray for you by name. And the question that we always have is, okay, what are the spiritual needs and physical needs that this family has? Okay, any physical needs and spiritual needs for this family. And we go down and we pray for you by name. I hope that's a comfort for you. That, 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 and if there's someone that we're not familiar with, we're pulling out the directory app. We're saying, okay, who is this? Oh, yeah, I love that. I'm so, so good to be seeing them at church. And, and so we're praying for you guys. And if a need comes up, well, this family has said this need. And we just had one come up last week. The first question we always ask is, is there a family member who's in the position to meet that need? And the reason is, is exactly what Gary just mentioned, is that the family's role is to take care of each other. And when that can't happen, when it goes above and beyond, and you go, this is, you know, this person is destitute, and we have some in our congregation who are either single, widowed, widower, whatever it would be, with no surviving relatives, then we would say, this is our, this is our responsibility. Now, to your second, to your first question, that was the second, your first question. What does this look like? How do we what is the graph that we would go through to talk about deacon responsibilities? And my suggestion and this is kind of where we've landed as a group, and, uh, and, and I, I kind of led us in this, and that would be to say, what was the overarching purpose of why they needed deacons? It was to serve tables, but even the serving of tables was a result of a deeper problem. What was that deeper problem? It was disunity. And it was maybe partiality. It was people in the church who were disunified. And so that's why we say the primary role of the deacon, if we go back, is to bring unity to the church. So the question would be, what are some areas in our church in which our unity is threatened? Or in which we need to promote and preserve unity by meeting needs? And that's where we mobilize our deacons. For instance, if if our auditorium is dirty... It' just a mess every Sunday. And people are coming in like, what is going on? Why can't we take care of this? Well, you should take care of this. No, you should take care of this. Well, you have more time than I do. Whoa, 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 whoa. How about we bring that under diaconal oversight? And we say, okay, we're going to have the oversight. I'm just pulling this out of my, out of my head, okay? Because it's not, it's not a mess. It's kept beautiful by our people. Then we would pull that under diaconal oversight. And we would say, okay, this, is, this has a high stress level of disunity in the church. And it's meeting the needs of the congregation, of the plant, of the physical needs. So we're going to have a deacon oversee that in order to take that issue away, in order to serve well in that area. Does that make sense? So that, that would be something where we'd say, okay, is this affecting the unity of the church? Is the potential unity effector? We're five minutes over, so if you need to go, feel free to slip out. Uh, I'll just finish this. But um, is, is, a, is the potential here really high to sow disunity in the church? And if so... We need oversight from from people to serve in this way yeah. does that answer your question? yeah okay any other any other questions that are burning on your heart that you 'd like to ask i 'd be happy to take any privately, but if there's one that you think would be a help, maybe someone else has that same question that would bring clarity I am I thought I saw a hand I am really excited about this because what this does I know Ben 's laughing because I get really excited about a lot of things but but uh, I am I am so excited about this for our congregation because my prayer is that verse 7 would be true of community that when we clarify this and we put it into action well over the coming weeks, months and years that the word of God would increase the number of disciples multiplied greatly so much so that even some priests came to the faith how awesome would that be and, uh, and let's pray to that end and if you have any other questions I'd love to talk to you about it but uh, thankful for the clarity. And I'm so thankful for the men who who are serving in, in their role right now and giving of their time and, um, and so clearly passionate about seeing this done well at community and uh, meeting the needs of the congregation. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have um, given us scripture that outlines all things for life and godliness. We're so thankful that you have chosen this specific biblical office that would reflect the heart of Christ, the way that we serve Christ, that would reflect even a heavenly service, and done well would expand the church, and serve the church well. I pray that you would help us to continue to love you by, by serving and leading effectively. Thank you so much for the ones that have been called from our congregation to serve in this way. And I pray that in the future that we would see more willing to serve, qualified to serve, meeting the needs of our congregation. Be with us as we go to accomplish your work this week. In your name we pray.